0: Expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a twenty-four-seven support community, created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com/thrive. That's E C K F E L D
1: T.com/thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. And our guest today is Paul Maskill, and he is a small business advocate. He's also founder of the Ultimate Freedom Mastermind. We're going to talk to him about the work he does with business owners, with small businesses, with service businesses, and helping them figure out how they're going to grow and scale. How do they get more time? How do they think more strategically? A really difficult process to go from kind of working in the business to working on the business and actually having kind of a bit of a plan and really kind of figuring out how to make your business work for you, key aspect of this growth process. So I'm excited to have the conversation. I'm really curious about the work Paul does, and I'm looking forward to uh, talking. So with that, Paul, welcome to the program.
0: Bruce, thanks so much for having me. Really looking forward to it as well.
1: Yeah. So why don't we start with background? How you got into the small business world? What was your kind of experience that took you here? And then we'll talk a little bit about what you're doing with small businesses. But give me a sense of the backstory. What was the um, what was the founding
0: process for you? Yeah. So I live here in Raleigh, North Carolina with my wife, Angela. we have married seven or almost eight years now. We've got a daughter, three-year-old daughter. Thank you. Yeah. So Those ladies keep me busy on a day-to-day basis along with helping business owners. And really how I got here probably wasn't planned because growing up, everybody told me, I lived in Michigan, so Michigan was very blue-collar. Most of the Uh quote-unquote businesses were all blue-collar service-based businesses. My dad owned his own hardware floor company. Pretty much everybody I knew either did that, some sort of service or trade, or they worked in the factories, worked on the line at GM, Ford, or Chrysler doing those blue-collar things. So they told me, don't do that. Go to school, get good grades, get a good job, climb the corporate ladder, and then retire when you're 60 or 70 and then enjoy life so, I set out to do that. That's what everyone still tells people to do today, where I still see a huge opportunity in the service-based world. But anyway, uh, moved to Chicago, started to climb the corporate ladder in the finance world. Luckily for me, not so lucky for many people, is I started in 2007. So uh, I was literally the last person hired, basically, before people started getting laid off and let go, which is really a blessing in disguise because it really shined the light on that. This whole working for somebody else thing really isn't that safe as everyone says it is. And I didn't love it. I sat in a cubicle for 50, 60 hours, crunching numbers, looking at spreadsheets. I still love spreadsheets. I still love systems and processes, but I love when I can do it and help other people make a difference, make an impact. And that's really what got me to quit was I didn't feel like I was really making an impact. I didn't really have a purpose. I was just doing what somebody told me to do and, you know, trying to keep the shareholders happy. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, I quit that job, moved to Raleigh, started my own business, and it was in the service-based world. So just like everybody in the service-based world, you start out usually delivering the service because – That's what we do. That's what we like. That's what we're good at. So I was running after school programs for elementary kids. We're running golf and tennis programs for elementary kids and summer camps, parent-child events. And I loved it. And it was awesome. Uh, It still is awesome. I think it makes a huge difference. And I soon realized that I was the bottleneck. I couldn't grow the business anymore because I just couldn't get out of my own way. (laughs) I was already working 80 hours a week. And for me, what really, you know, was kind of the breaking point was I realized I couldn't continue to grow my business because there was no more of me, no time, no mental energy. But really, from a safety piece of mind standpoint, I realized if something happened to me, the quote unquote, if I got hit by a bus, my business would go to zero really quickly. So that's when I realized, you know, it was time to change, even though I was scared to delegate. It was my baby. Nobody could do it as well as I could. Until I remember back when I quit my job, when I what I told myself was if I quit my job and this business building thing doesn't work, I can always go get another job and I'll be okay. So the worst case scenario wasn't as bad as everyone else was telling me, like, oh my God, you're okay. crazy. Yeah. That job is so safe, blah, blah, blah. So I realized if I delegate everything and it just doesn't work, it's only going to come back to me anyway, the work, and yeah. the work was already with me anyway. So what <laughs> do I have to
1: lose? <laughs> it's a good logical kind of breakdown of the situation.
0: Yeah. So anyway, that's what got me to where I am today. Long story short there, we turned it around. It was going well. It just, we needed to scale and I needed to bring on a team, build a leadership team, build you know yeah. the full-time staff. Yeah. And we scaled it. We sold it within about four years. I owned the business for about four years, built it, scaled it, sold it. And then I did that again just recently with another company. I bought an existing local service-based business, a dog walking and pet sitting business. Nice. Scaled it, put the team in place, systems processes, and then sold it. So really that's really what I focus on every day is really want other business owners to learn from my experience to get to where they want to go a lot quicker
1: yeah yeah and i think you've you brought up a couple of key points which is you really you really need to think about the business as a system you need to figure out how to bring in the right team and you know make all those things work now they're not easy <laughs> what, what are some of the things that you've learned along the way that let's talk about the system side first how i guess what was your approach or, or how did you kind of Think about your business as a system? How did you kind of train yourself to see the systems in your business? How did that process work for you?
0: Yeah, so you really have to take the emotion out of it. And it's not easy, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's our baby. No one's going to do it as well as I can. No one's as vested as me because I'm the owner. And for me, what really started to make it a little bit easier to digest that, to really start working on the systems, because I think we have to get to this point before we get to the systems, is you have to get really clear on your vision. Why did I start this business? What do I really want to achieve, accomplish, pursue in this world? Because we only got one shot at life. And my vision, my belief is our business should enable us to do that and empower us to do that. So I started to get really clear on my vision because I realized I didn't really have one because I had achieved my ultimate goal, which was to be self-employed, not have a boss, run my own business. That was it. Like I had made-
1: it. <laughs> I was like, uh oh, now what? Yeah.
0: And then I realized that's like one of the worst things ever because <laughs> now I just own a job that's probably yeah. not necessarily more stressful, but not as safe, doesn't have all the benefits, all that thing that at least a you know, a job will offer and try and get you there. So I got really clear on my vision and realized this is where I want to go personally, and I need to build a business in order to make that happen. So the next step to that was to, well, what kind of business do I need to build as far as the organization? What does the ideal organization look like in order to accomplish that goal, that personal vision? And the easiest way to do it is tie a number because numbers aren't emotional like most of the business things are. So my vision was I want to have this lifestyle. I need to make this amount of money. Okay, so this business needs to produce that for me what size business do we need to build? And I really just started working backwards from there to then realize that you know this business is really just a vehicle. Yes, I'm passionate about it, I like it, all that mm-hmm. good stuff, but it's really just a vehicle to help me and my family achieve what we really wanna do, whether it's personal goals, philanthropic goals, or professional goals. So once anybody's able to do that, that becomes your ultimate filter of, okay, I know I need to do this, even though it's gonna suck, or why am I still doing this? It doesn't make sense. And that filter of, is this getting me closer to where I wanna go? If not, why are you still doing it? If it is can we be doing it more? Can somebody else be doing it? And then it makes it a lot easier to remove that emotion from the decision so you can start putting the systems and processes and ultimately the people in place to run your business.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about the vision stuff a little bit. And we had Cameron Harrod on here it was, it was several months ago, but he, you know, we, we talked about his vivid vision process and, and I'm always curious about how people actually create the vision uh, and how, you know, what kind of context, what kind of situation. I know I know people that kind of go f- go on a beach somewhere with a, a note book and a uh, and a meaningful pen and they you know ponder life other people you know break out the computer and they're typing away do you find there was any process for you that really helped you tap in to kind of some of those existential questions of like why are you doing this like what is it that you want to achieve with it how is the business going to serve me and, and a broader goal rather than just make money I mean what was your what was your process that you went through
0: yeah so I kind of looked at and I still do even with my coaching business today you know obviously now what I'm doing today is the more people I serve an impact the more successful i am financially so when you can put those people before profits you will be successful if you have the patience and believe in what you're doing and, and you're good at it, obviously. Yeah. So I really kind of looked at three areas of life that encompasses most things. So personally, so what do I want to do with a family? What does a successful, in my mind, you know, being a successful husband, being a great father, what does that look like? And what do we need to do in that aspect? And then me personally, not just from a family standpoint, but me personally, I need to exercise. I need to be healthy. Yeah. I want to be able to be there for my parents because they're getting older and they live in a different state. So what does that kind of look like and getting as vivid as possible? Now, obviously, it can always change depending on situations, but that's kind of the ultimate goal. And then philanthropically, you know, I believe that we are here to leave a legacy when we die, how many people are going to come to our funeral? Nobody on your bank account is going to come to your funeral, (laughs) you know, and your resume doesn't really matter. But how many people did you impact, you know, in a philanthropic standpoint? It doesn't always have to be money. In my opinion, I really like doing actual service, you know, providing service instead of just writing a check because writing a check can be seen a lot easier than, Mm -hmm. hey, I want to go volunteer for this organization or I want to do this. So trying to get involved with my church a little bit, you know, helping out where we can. And then my wife does a lot of volunteer work in different countries. So, you know, how can we leave a bigger impact and leave this place better than we found it? And also now that we have a child, which you never really think about this too. You have a child of setting mm-hmm. an example for them, yeah. you know, as well of hey, this is how we do life. So, looking at those two aspects and then looking at it professionally, well, what kind of business do I want to build in order to achieve that and what do I have to build and how many people do I have to impact? So, you know, I just kind of look at those things and then I'm a proponent of the 12 week year, so mm, um, yeah. You know, breaking it down of, this is my five-year vision, this is my maybe three-year, and then this is my one-year, but what do I need to do in the next 12 weeks to continue on that path there? And this is what I have to do. So hopefully that helps give somebody insight into just taking that time, like you said, whether it's a beach I know a lot of people will get an Airbnb and just go away for 24 hours. And if you have a spouse, I would recommend doing it with your spouse. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer of dreaming together instead of we running our parallel lives and we see each other in the evenings like, hey, we're in this together (laughs) type of deal. So that's kind of what works for me um, and, you know, some of my clients as well.
1: Yeah, excellent. So now let's talk about the process stuff a little bit because you, we, we started to, to touch on that. One of the questions I have, or I'm always kind of curious about, as people who are kind of running the business and they, they start defining, documenting the processes that are happening in the business so they can find other people to kind of do some of the things they've been doing, how much have you found that you kind of take the process that you've been doing and then just get other people to do it versus kind of figuring out that, hey, this is the way I've been doing it, but maybe that's not the only way and heaven forbid, maybe there's a better way <laughs> and maybe someone else can come up with a better way. How do you kind of approach that kind of process development or process definition process, you know, stages as you as you go from doing it yourself to bringing other people to, to do it? Give me some insights there about what you've learned and how you approach that.
0: Yeah, so to your point, everyone will do it a little bit differently. I think the key is getting the same end result or better because yeah. you've kind of sent that set that benchmark. That's what your customers expect. Now we can always improve it and my belief is if that person's task is just that part of your business, it probably will be improved because the business owner has a hundred different things going on and they're just trying to keep everything going. But when one person has one sole focus, you know, whether it's marketing, advertising, receivables, payables, whatever it is, whatever the process is in your business, they'll probably improve it just because they have more time to focus on it and their mind's a little bit clearer. So, yeah. my process, I was just doing it this morning. So, I'm a partner in a landscaping company and I'm delegating a lot of the stuff that I've always done. I'll record a video, screen recording video. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a computer process. And I say, this is the way I've always done it. This is kind of the end result. However, if you know a better way of doing this, I am all ears and this is kind of your process. So that's one way I do it is if I've already kind of done this process over and over, I'll just give them a training video. They can learn at their own pace. And then I give them the free will and confidence that, hey, if you think we can do this better, just bring it to me. And if it's better, easier, more efficient, better for the customer, let's do it. The other way where I think it works for some business owners, they'll tell me, well, I don't have any processes document, but I need somebody. Well, then you can build them together of like, hey, Bruce, you're on my team now. This is where we want to go. We don't have all the things in place to get there. We're kind of loosely doing it, but let's build this together. And then they even feel more bought in mm. and they feel more important because it's like, OK, now I'm kind of helping this guy build his business. And if we get that to where we want it to go, I'm going to be able to achieve my personal goals as well as an employee. So you can do it either way. Uh, It really depends on where you're at in your business, what works best for you. Uh, But I've seen both of those ways work really well from a most efficient, time-conscious standpoint, instead of the way I learned my first corporate job was I sat next to somebody all day and just took notes <laughs> for like eight to 10 hours. And then uh, it was my job the next day and I didn't really remember how to do any of it because I just had like six pages of notes. And I'm exactly. like, I, I think he showed me how to do that, but I don't remember. But if I ask him, he's probably going to think I'm stupid. So I'm just going to try and figure it out. And that never really works.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Any particular tools or technologies that you've kind of stumbled across or you found particularly helpful? And it's just the world is so full of these. You know, screen recording and process management and checklist systems and you know everything from Asana to Trello and you know the, these things that kind of manage process. Anything that you've seen that's particularly good or effective or or useful for companies as they start to approach this?
0: Yeah. So you said it's almost uh, bright shiny objects and yeah. overload because there are so many things. So I try to keep it as simple as possible for screen recording. I like using just Zoom because then you can at least download the file easily and store it wherever you want to store it. I'm a fan of just using Dropbox, making it very easy. Less steps, the better. Mm -hmm. But there's other ones, Loom, like today I was doing some Loom videos just because it was shorter videos. And it's like, hey, if they have a question, I can just record a Loom video. Loom and Zoom, both free, both great. And then I'm really just a fan of keeping it all on Dropbox and a calendar. So every single day I know, you know, and when I go through processes with people, I'll say, this is a daily task. This is a weekly task. This is a monthly task. This is every other Tuesday task, whatever it is. And then just adding that to your calendar and you start to teach them also kind of how to time. Time block Because I believe time block mm. is a huge, huge asset for anybody that, you know, is a little bit disorganized, which is pretty much everybody here because we are so <laughs> inundated with distractions now, whether it's the phone, the email, text, like everything. So that's what I find works best. I do like Asana. I do like Trello. But for me personally, I'm just a big fan of keeping, you know, less is more, using yeah. the videos, putting it on Dropbox so they can access it anywhere. And then, you know, being available for any sort of chat, whether it's Zoom, if you want to do a video or voice conference, or we use Slack to communicate with every mm, yeah. business, every organization that I'm a part of, we use Slack.
1: Yeah, no, makes sense. So at one point, you're, you're mentioning a little bit about uh, getting people. So n- now that we have process, we've kind of figured out what the steps are, the checklist, how we build quality into our operations. Uh, any insights or any strategies you've used to look for it th- on the talent side of it, either in terms of how you kind of define roles and figure out what talent you need, to actual kind of sourcing and recruiting, to onboarding? Give us a sense of what you've learned on kind of get- getting the right people into the company.
0: Yeah, so I think, you know, it's a really good question because I believe. I think every business owner I've ever talked to, I'll ask them how business is doing, and they said, man, if I could just find good help, or if I could just find more people, I could grow my business. So once, assuming you have the systems in place, that really empowers you to hire for personality and then train them for the job instead of trying to hire for experience and trying to fit them in, and they just don't fit in personality-wise. So what I found was, is when most people tell me that, I'll say, well, what is your recruiting strategy, or how much time are you spending on recruiting? And they're like, uh, (laughs) I'm not. Crickets. So yeah. if we spend as much time recruiting employees as we did recruiting customers, you know, i.e. Yeah. marketing, we probably wouldn't have a talent problem or an employee problem. So I'm a big fan of always spending, always actively recruiting. And the other part to that, so I'll kind of walk through two parts. The first part, you need to be an attractive business. So you need to make it look like a place where people would want to work, a nice website, nice social media. All the things that you want to do for your customers, you want to do for your employees because it's competitive out there in the service-based world. They can go a lot of places and you need people. Without people, the customers don't matter because you can only serve a handful of them by yourself. So making your website, making your social media, making your Google listing, all that stuff really attractive, taking the time for a good job posting. And then what I tell people, I equate it to sports. So LeBron James is an NBA basketball player. If you don't know who he is, he plays NBA basketball. And every team right now is full. They got their starting five. They got their bench guys they've got their G League players they got everybody But if LeBron James went to any of those teams and said, hey, guys, I'd love to work for you today, they wouldn't say, sorry, we're full. We got our starting five. But like, give us a call in six months. This guy's contract's up, so we might be able to work something out. Everybody would figure out a way to bring LeBron James on your team because he is a talent. Now, the way to get that talent consistently is to be recruiting every day. So I also equate it to fishing. It's a lot easier to catch a really nice fish if you're always fishing instead of only fishing when you're starving. So when you're starving for employees, you're going to catch the wrong fish you're going to bring you're going to hire that person because you need that person and then it's a total train wreck and it's this vicious cycle that you'll never get out of so in order to do that i recommend a program called jazz hr it's an applicant tracking system and it basically hosts your jobs consistently and literally you get applicants delivered to your inbox every single day. It is a paid service, mm-hmm. but in the service-based world, this, in my opinion, is the biggest game changer in any business that needs people consistently. So I'm a partner in a landscaping business. We're always recruiting even if, even if we're full. Uh, before that, I owned a dog walking business. We always are recruiting even if we're full. And my first business, I had 40 part-time employees. So I always needed to build a pipeline. So if you have a pipeline that's full, whenever somebody drops out, whenever someone gets promoted, whenever the business grows, it's like, oh, I got this guy and, you know, we'll just continue the process. So Jazz HR is awesome for that. And you can put them through different tests and questionnaires and steps and automation and all this good stuff. And then when you are ready to hire, it's like, hey man, let's just bring you on because we already know you, we already like you, we already trust you. So that's my process and it has worked wonders.
1: Yeah. Well, and I like the idea of that that you you don't want to be fishing when you're starving, right? Like if you if you're in desperate need of employees, like that's the that is the wrong time to start the process, you know, and making sure that you're you really have a good flow and backlog of high quality candidates that you can bring on when you need them is gonna make a huge difference in terms of the, the overall quality of the people that you're gonna have in the company. Anything in terms of of like the interview process or how you make sure you get good cultural fit. I mean, everyone talks about hire for culture, train for skills. Where do you stand on that? I guess what what level or or how do you actually go about doing that? Or what what's been your kind of experience and success in making sure that you've got not only good cultural fit but ultimately people that can do the work well?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So I think to your point, we can train people pretty much anything as long as they kind of have a baseline understanding of your business. Yeah, you know. So I am a big proponent of. Allowing people to self-select themselves out of the process. So you've got the job posting and there's certain instructions in there. Mm-hmm. Hey, attach your resume, fill out all these questions. And if they can't do that, they can't follow direction. They don't really want to work for you. They're automatically yeah. out. So the next thing I do on the application is a lot of business owners think, well, I'm going to make every question required because I want to know everything about this person. And what I'll do is make a couple questions not required just to see who actually goes above yeah. and beyond because yeah. I want that type of personality. So I might say in 150 words or less, tell us why you're awesome. And some people will put NA, some people will leave it blank, and some people will use all 150 words and tell us why they're <laughs> awesome. you know. And then another question I like to ask is, why do you want to work here? And if they just say, I need a job to make money, you're automatically out because you know that means you're going to leave us for 50 cents an hour more probably in two weeks or you're not going to show up so just through that process you probably weeded out i don't know 60 to 70 percent of the applicants pretty quickly and then the next thing i do through jazz hr you can send what's called a questionnaire and it's basically you know four or five questions that you just want to learn a little bit more information and to be honest it could be the exact same questions they answered on the application uh it doesn't really matter but the key is you give them another deadline hey bruce your application resume look great you know, I would, uh, I got this questionnaire. It's attached to the bottom of this email. Please fill it out within the next two days. After you fill it out, if things look great, we'll set up a phone interview and you wouldn't believe how many people don't fill it out within two days. So it's like, okay, you're not good with deadlines. You're not good at following direction. Your attention to detail is not good. Whatever it is, I don't want you. So Mm -hmm. that self-selects a lot more people out And now you've got a pool of people for phone interviews. So this is really the first time you're kind of spending any time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yesterday at our landscaping company, we did three or four phone interviews. Two people didn't answer. So they're automatically out, you know, so and then. From there, just kind of general reading personality of how did they answer the phone or did they have questions? Did they seem like, you know, It's the questions to me doesn't really matter. I just want to kind of get to know what kind of person they are. Maybe ask them some of the same questions from the application to see if they give you the same answer. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> an interesting check. You know. Yeah. So. And then after that, bring them in for an interview. So, you know, by that time, you might only be interviewing two people out of 50 applicants, but it's better to do that instead of a lot of people. I'll interview anybody because I just need people. And then that's kind of a recipe for disaster. So. Personally, if someone makes it to an interview in, in our service-based world, unless like unless they're like just totally not what I thought, they're probably gonna get a shot at the job because they've already made it through all these hoops and they were a good person in the interview and they showed up early and they were dressed nice and they asked good questions, whatever it might be. But I really just like to test their character through all those and you know what kind of person are you. And then I think the last part to that is once they're onboarded, you know, obviously all the onboarding, all that's very important, building the culture, all that kind of stuff, but I find a lot of businesses are just really hesitant to fire people because mm. they feel they need them, yet they complain every single day about them. <laughs> and it's usually because they don't have a pipeline of other well, people. Well, exactly. It's like, yeah. It's like, well, we need Bruce. We don't have a even choice. sucks. Yeah, we don't have a choice until yeah. someone else comes along. So that's kind of the process that I've always found works really well in the service based world because really, Whatever service it is, if you're putting, if they're going out there and putting your business, you know, to them, you kind of need to trust their personality. How are they going to talk to customers? Whatever it is, whether it's a delivering a service, a coaching accountant, lawyer, lawnmower, whatever it is, you know, that personality is so huge in the service-based world.
1: Yeah, Let's chat about strategy a little bit because I think that's another thing that comes up for companies that kind of start to go into growth mode or, or they're trying to figure out how to grow and scale, which is, I find that a lot of early stage companies are, or, you know, in the beginning, everyone's just kind of chasing revenue, right? They're running around. Any, anything that has the opportunity to make money that's got, you know, dollars behind it, they'll go and do. But then they end up with this fairly sort of diverse client set, you know, with a whole bunch of different services that kind of relate, but, you know, Everything's a little different, a lot of custom work. How? What's your kind of take on how to help a company or how a company can kind of hone strategy in a way that's going to help them actually make it easier to grow and scale and, and go through that process?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And you're 100% spot on. So, my recommendation number one recommendation is read the book The Pumpkin Plan by Mike McAllowitz. Uh-huh. It's a great book, How to Do That. So, his journey in his business was the same thing. He said yes to everybody. Yeah. And then he really started to realize. I need to focus on this one group of people. So we've kind of done the same thing in the landscaping business. that I'm a partner of, of originally when the owner started it, he just said yes to everything and anywhere. Like he was driving all over town (laughs) and he'll do anything. And then slowly dialed it in where to now, you know, starting this year, pretty much kind of what we talked about before is it's almost like a productized business now, because it's like, Hey, if you're a you know, if you're a subscriber to our service, this is what we provide. It's all on recurring payments and you are our main focus. We aren't, we're saying no to a lot of things to serve you really well. Now it's not easy to do that, but I I find it easier to do it at least in stages. So kind of peeling away, you know, the fat and scraping that off little by little to eventually get to the core of what you really want to do. And that's a lot of it too, is, well, who do we want to be? If you try to be everybody Mm -hmm. to everybody, you know, everything to everybody, you're not going to serve anybody. So what is your niche? Who do you want to focus on? And Mike McCallow, it's a strategy in it, just to give everybody the quick and dirty on this. You know, first, you basically look at who spends the most money with you and you know are they actually profitable all that kind of stuff looking at the numbers but then what he really does is he does a thing it's called crush or cringe so when that customer calls you are you excited to talk to them or is it like oh god not this person again <laughs> and if that's your if that's your reaction you don't want to put your employees in that position either so let's figure out what's the common denominator of these people and let's go get more of those people and serve the heck out of them. So yeah. once you start serving them, his, the way he did it and recommends to do it is you basically just take your top clients out to lunch and say, Hey, Bruce, you know, just you know, really appreciate your business and all that I'm curious, you know, why, why do you do business with us? And they'll tell you all the good things about you. And then where most people go wrong is, well, what could we do better? They're never going to tell you what you could do better because they don't mm-hmm. want to hurt your feelings. But what he does is say, well, what's wrong with my industry? So then it, those people start to open up of like, these are the pain points. These are the pain points. And then you really start to dial into your ideal customer. Yeah. And then the last question is, is who else do you work with? you know, how can we work together with that person? So he was building computer networks for different organizations. He eventually got to just hedge funds. So he would reach out to the hedge fund managers in, I think he was in New York city and would just say, who else do you guys work with? And he was building all the infrastructure and he would say, well, we got the desk building guy, we got the electrician. So then he would collaborate with those people to serve the client even better because most people ask for referrals. Well, Hey, can you send me to your friends? And customers don't want to send you to their friends really, because they feel like they're going to lose part of you to somebody yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. So we've always followed that since I came across that book. Michael McCallowitz, as you probably know, is yeah. great for small, medium-sized businesses. but. That's really how to do it as long as it aligns with your vision. Once you have that clear vision, it makes it a lot easier to drop services, drop clients so you can serve your best customers even better.
1: Excellent. And tell us a little bit about the mastermind program you put together. How does that work? How what is the the goal? What kind of companies come in? What is the sort of the value that you create with that with that program?
0: Yeah, so what I found was and I was the same way business ownership is really a lonely world, but it doesn't have to be. So we can be isolated. We can sit in our office all day. And I believe that really gets in the way of achieving and reaching our full potential. So I focus on helping you know business operators become business owners, become CEOs, so they can really automate and scale their business so they can make more money, have more time, and do what they really want to do in this life. Because at the end of the day, like I mentioned – We've only got one shot at this thing. So what I found, and I really discovered this through personal fitness and going to a gym and having a trainer is what we need to succeed is once we have that vision, we need a coach, we need a plan, and we need accountability. And you know, without a coach, a mentor, somebody who's been where we're at, who's at a place where we want to be, it's a little bit harder to figure out so we can get to where we want to go a lot quicker with that mentor. They can help us put a plan in place. And then the accountability is like... Number one, because we as business owners, we can make excuses in our mind of why we're not going to do something. But when you have a group of accountability members, like when I go to the gym at five in the morning, I know every morning I'm thinking, if I don't go there, like Bruce is going to give me a really hard time. (laughs) So he's holding me accountable and we don't want to be that person letting each other down and not achieving our goals. So putting together a group of 10 business owners with similar goals, similar aspirations to hold each other accountable, you know, it really is a powerful thing. Because I used to do a lot of one-on-one coaching, which was cost prohibitive for a lot of the small and medium-sized business owners. And it was just kind of draining on my time. So to me, what better way, you know, not only get direct access to me, but for a fraction of the investment to really serve kind of back to my vision, my purpose of I want to make a big impact for small, you know, small business owners. So that's really what we focus on in the masterminds. Happy to chat with anybody there, the, the direct link to go there is paulmaskill.com slash mastermind and there's an application. We'd set up a time to chat and just kind of learn a little bit more about where you're at, where you want to go, and if that's something that we can help you with.
1: Perfect. I'll make sure that the link is in the show notes here. Paul, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking some time today. Great conversation. I think there's a lot of really good kind of tips and insights for the folks listening. It's uh, it's always fun to talk to other folks who are working with business owners, helping them through this process. You know, It's funny to see kind of the similarities and the, the patterns that companies get in and hopefully the solutions they can use to get out of them. But thanks for taking the time and for sharing your thoughts. It's been a real pleasure.
0: Yeah, thanks so much, Bruce. Really enjoyed it. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com.